0: Tonight we're going to be in Ecclesiastes, and so if you would, grab your Bible and uh, go with me there. Psalms, you can find the Psalms in the Old Testament, Proverbs comes after that, then Ecclesiastes, then Song of Solomon, and these are what we often call the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And uh, if you're keeping up with your Bible reading plan and you already know the, the answer to that concerning me, then you will have read Ecclesiastes this past week, and this is what we're going to be, this is the book out of which we're going to be talking this evening, and the title of our lesson is Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, and someone said on the way out, will you be providing refreshments this evening, and the answer is no, you'll have to take care of yourself afterwards, sorry I didn't bring refreshments uh, for everyone the book of Ecclesiastes, in the 12 chapters of this book, that we attribute to Solomon, uh, we often think that, uh, of Solomon writing Song of Solomon as a young man, the Proverbs as a middle-aged man, but Ecclesiastes as an older man, as one who could look back over the years of his life, because he is reflecting here on what life is all about. That really is the question that the book seeks to answer. What is the meaning of life? What are we doing here? How should we live? The preacher of this book, who we uh, attribute to Solomon, wonders. And he wonders this because as he observes, our time on this earth is short. And many people have come to this realization who have lived. We don't have much time. So in the brief amount of time allotted to us, how should we spend our years, our months, our days? And also he observes, you know, bad things happen to people who pursue wisdom and righteousness. And on the other end, good things happen to people who are foolish and wicked. And so that makes you wonder, is there benefit, is there reward In trying to be wise and righteous, maybe it's better just to embrace wickedness and immorality and foolish living, because it seems like good things often happen to to people who do, while bad things happen to good people. Well, as you know, if you've read, he does arrive at a few conclusions about how life is best lived. He says, for instance, that even though bad things happen to good people and Good things happen to bad people. It is still better at the end of the day to be wise rather than foolish. Look with me, for instance, in chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Solomon says, Then I saw, I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. I perceived that the same events... Happen to all of them. You know, it rains on both the godly and the ungodly, as Jesus says. And yet, Solomon says, I have still concluded, as I reflect back on my life, there is still more gain in pursuing wisdom than in embracing foolishness. And he says this in chapter 8, verse 12 of Ecclesiastes, if you want to look there with me. He says, though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life. <laughs> and maybe you felt like this. It, it, the people who are, are not regarding God's will and His Word seem to have more abundance in their lives or their lives are prolonged or may, maybe it, they, they seem like they're leading better lives. Solomon says this in a, me, a, a memorable way here. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before Him. I know, Solomon says, as a seasoned old man, it will be well with those who fear God and pursue wisdom. And that leads me into the next conclusion that he makes, and that is fear God and follow Him. Chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. The great conclusion of Ecclesiastes in which the author says, Here is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. That's what it's all about. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So make sure that your life is characterized by fearing God, by chasing after His will. That is the whole meaning of man's life. That's the whole duty of man. So it's better to be wise than foolish, Solomon says. You need to fear God and follow Him, Solomon says. But you know what what else Solomon says? Another conclusion at which he arrives as he reflects on what life is all about. He also says this. Enjoy it. Enjoy life. While you, you have breath in your lungs, make sure that you are seeking Joy. That you are choosing joy. Our text tonight is Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15, in which Solomon says, I commend joy. I want to encourage you to be joyful. I urge you to embrace joy. And then he goes on, For man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and to drink and be joyful, for this will go. With him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Now we know that Solomon elsewhere says you need to fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. So it's not that that, that experiencing joy is the only thing. But Solomon does conclude here, for God's people, you really ought to enjoy the gifts that accompany this life that God has blessed you with. You really should seek joy, enjoy life. It's not a whole lot unlike, in my mind, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Toward the end of this letter of Paul, in which he says, he writes to this this early church in Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say it again for the people in the back. That's a bit of a paraphrase. (laughs) Rejoice! Paul repeats himself. Rejoice! Again, I say. Rejoice. And then, back in Ecclesiastes, in the next chapter, in chapter 9, At verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, this is an extended section in which Solomon commends joy. He says, you need to enjoy your meals. You ought to enjoy your meals. Go eat your bread with joy, he says. Enjoy your relationships, especially with your spouse. Verse 9, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. Verse 10, enjoy your work. Solomon says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And then in verse 8, we've got some metaphors here. He says, wear white, let your garments always be white, and let not oil be lacking on your head. Now, should we take that literally? I don't think so. I think these are metaphors here. They are metaphors. They are symbols of joy. Wear white, let oil always be on your head. And he has made similar statements before. Uh, chapters 8 and 9. If you go back to chapter 5. We'll do a quick tour here. Chapter 5 verse 18. Behold what I have seen to be good. You can almost envision. An elderly Solomon. Reflecting on his life. Let me tell you what I have seen to be good. Just from my experience. And it's this. It is uh, fitting to eat and drink. And find enjoyment. So there's the title of our lesson. Eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. The few days of his life that God has given him for this is his lot. Listen, life is short and we have an important job to do in fearing God and keeping his commandments. But while you are here, life is a gift. Life is a blessing. There is there are abundant blessings of God to be enjoyed. Make sure You are receiving this life as a gift with joy in your heart. As we go back even further to chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, he says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink, take pleasure in all his toil. That is God's gift to man. One more, chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, we're going back. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? I know that in Ecclesiastes, we also hear Solomon say, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. He does say that. He also says that sorrow is better than laughter. That's chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. But as we've just established, Solomon commends celebration and joy just as strongly. And these ideas come together in his famous poem that was made into a famous song in the 1970s. Here is just a a, a brief uh, excerpt from that from verse 4. There is a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn And there's a time to dance. Solomon says, I commend joy. You really ought to seek joy in this life. And what I have found is that sometimes as we grow older, we become less joyful. I was down at Camp Naoti on Thursday night, the 4th. Went down there with Lauren and the girls had the privilege to speak down there before the group. Always honored and happy that Alex asked me to do that. And it's just good to be with the crew down there. And uh, let me tell you, that was an atmosphere of joy. Because you had a lot of young people there. And games were being played. And there were smiles. And there was laughter. And there was levity. Uh, It was just a scene of of joy. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that we should all go back and try to be teenagers again. (laughs) I don't want to go back and be a teenager again. And the energy that our young people possess, that is unsustainable for us older folks. But I think that you will agree that as we become grown-ups, we got to get a job, and there are bills to pay, and there are serious concerns about our our possessions, our our houses, our cars, and things need maintenance, and there's uh, tasks and daily to-do lists. And all uh, of the particulars of life just seem to drain the joy out of us. And we forget to stop and to enjoy the blessings that God has showered upon us. It just seems that life has a way as we get older zapping us of joy. And what I hear Solomon saying here is don't let that happen. I commend to you joy. Now, of course, you know, this is not a call to be excessive pleasure seekers. This is not a defense of hedonism, which you know is the idea that pleasure is the only inherent good, that it is the end all be all. And we know that people throughout the years have advanced various theories that, you know, pleasure is it. Life is short, you might as well do what you want and have a good time and have fun. And that, that's what it's all about. We know, as people of God, that a certain kind of pleasure seeking is harmful. And Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes that he learns this the hard way in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to read all these verses, but I do want to share with you this list of pleasures that Solomon seeks. And at the end of the day, he, he finds them wanting. He says that those were empty pursuits. Alcohol. Stuff. Servants. Livestock. Riches. Entertainment. Solomon says, I tried all this. I tried all of these things looking for the meaning of life looking to make life satisfying and fulfilling. He says in verse 10 of chapter 2, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. So Solomon says, I lived a very hedonistic lifestyle. Whatever I wanted to do, I did it. Whatever I wanted to take, I took. Whatever I wanted to enjoy, I enjoyed. But what he discovers in verse 11, he shares with us, it was all vanity. It was all worthless. It was love this phrase, striving after the wind. And there was nothing to be gained from it. That is not the kind of pleasure seeking, that's not the kind of joy that we are talking about. The enjoyment that Solomon commends in our text and in the other texts that we read is not like that. We're talking about enjoyment in what we already have before us. Not in seeking more. We're talking about opening our eyes and being more attuned to the blessings that already surround us. Because some of us, we need to train our eyes a little better to see the gifts that God has poured out into our lives so that those will spark joy in our hearts. We're talking about the pleasure that we derive from seeing the abundant gifts that come from the hand of God. And I have to train myself, because I can very easily slip into a very task oriented mode of living. But I took the older two girls on Saturday morning to the farmer's market. And looking around at the farmer's market, you're reminded of all of the beautiful, wonderful gifts that come from God. We bought some beautiful sunflowers, and we picked up some tomatoes. And is there anything better than a summer tomato? Don't give me that nasty winter tomato that doesn't have an ounce of taste. I don't. That's like a, a totally different food. That can't even be placed in the same category as those fresh garden grown summer tomatoes freshly picked and taken to the farmer's market to be sold on a Saturday morning. We've got some cucumbers given to us from somebody else's garden we uh bought some fresh blueberries we also bought some this is not homegrown stuff but some cinnamon rolls that someone had baked (laughs) that morning uh, with some homemade icing on top and you go. you know you go to the farmer's market and you're just reminded of the many blessings of life that should spark joy in our hearts should remind us to, to smile at the goodness and gener- generosity of our God. And you know that there's a plant that is grown all over the world. And it has these little berries on it. If you break those berries open, there's a seed or a pit inside. If you take that seed or a pit and you split it, and you roast it, and you grind it, and you pour hot water over it. It makes the most delicious drink known to man And it produces the most wonderful aroma. You know what I'm talking about? It's coffee. And as I think about it up here, I'm already excited about preparing my morning coffee and getting to smell that in the morning. These are the kind of small joys that we should be scouting out, looking for, to be reminded that life is full of blessings from the hand of God. It's the kind of enjoyment described in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, for the Feast of Booths. God commends joy in his law. Uh, in Deuteronomy, he tells his people, You need to celebrate this festival where you remember what it was like to be in the wilderness and how I cared for you. And what the people of Israel were told to do in Deuteronomy 16 and elsewhere was for seven days set up camp live in tents, and and just reflect on the blessings of God, the goodness of God, and enjoy yourselves. And it's interesting to me that the book of Ecclesiastes came to be read during this festival, what we call the festival or the feast of booths that lasted for seven days after the harvest when all the people would take their tents and dwell in them to remind them of how God had cared for them and sustained them in the wilderness. God intends for us to enjoy life. Life itself, we need to to think about this. Life itself is a precious gift. As one musician said, how rare and beautiful it is to even exist, to even be alive. I told this story a couple years ago, but around 1936, My grandmother, along with her three young siblings, they were riding along in the backseat of a Ford Model T. And my great-grandfather was driving, and my great-grandmother was in the passenger seat, and they were on Highway 70 between Crossville and Monterey. And this stretch of road had recently been paved, but the shoulders had not, and they sat about six inches lower than the rest of the road. So they were ripping down the road, going no faster than 45 miles per hour, which was the top speed of the Model T. When my great-grandfather accidentally veered onto the low shoulder, he tried to regain control of the vehicle, but he couldn't, and the car began to roll. And as the car rolled, the entire family was ejected through the cloth roof and strewn along the opposite shoulder. My great-grandfather was severely injured. He had a broken neck, which required six months in a cast, and his ear was severed and later reattached. My great-grandmother suffered a broken collarbone, but amazingly, all the children, including my grandmother, walked away from that accident with only scrapes and bruises. Now, had my grandmother perished, of course you know, she would never have grown up to marry my grandfather. They would never have had my father, who would never have grown up to meet, to meet and marry my mother. And they never would have had me. If the wreck had played out differently, More tragically, if if something else had, had gone wrong, if my grandmother had been thrown in a different way, then I would not be here. And there are a million little things that could have happened in the lives of your ancestors that would have prevented you from sitting where you are sitting tonight. What a rare and beautiful thing it is to even exist. And it should bring us great joy that we are alive. I know that life is hard sometimes. And I know that we have people in here who are struggling mightily. And you can't find much joy in your life. I get it. And I, I don't want to you know, be Pollyanna and I don't want to gloss over your pain and your, and your suffering. I just want to commend joy to you as Solomon did. I, I want to encourage you, even in the midst of heartache and, and hardship, to look Sometimes we have to look harder than others to look for blessings that come down from our Heavenly Father. I come in joy, and yet in the busyness of life, in, this, task, in this, this task-oriented nature of life that we embrace, joy is often neglected. There was a TV series several years ago called Friday Night Lights, and it centered on the small town of Dillon, Texas, where high school football is life. Is everything. The whole town rises and falls on the success of their beloved Dillon Panthers. Needless to say, there's excessive pressure on the coaches and the young players to excel, to be perfect, to win. And there's one scene when the head coach, Eric Taylor, is talking to his star running back, Brian Smash Williams. And tension had developed in this relationship because of the pressure that both coach and player were feeling. And Coach Taylor tells this young man, You know, sometimes we take this game so seriously that we lose track of why it is that we love this game so much. Why it is that we play this game. I'm guilty of that. And in the closing scene of that episode, the coach and the player go out and they play front yard football with some neighborhood kids that they see. They decide to join in and have a little fun. Listen, I know that we have an important job to do. And we must take our calling as Christians seriously and all the responsibilities that we have to help build up the church, to help spread the gospel. I get it. But at the same time, as we are doing those things and we've already seen that Solomon says, even in your work, find joy in your labor. Ours as Christians should be the most joyful existence there is. Because we are doing God's work, because we are living in the sweet spot of God's will, because we are doing exactly what God designed us to do. And that should bring us great satisfaction and fulfillment and joy. And certainly, though we should take our calling seriously, we should never take ourselves too seriously. The ability to laugh at oneself is a sign of emotional and spiritual maturity, I believe. And when I get into seasons of life where I am not able to laugh at myself and my own flaws and my own mistakes, I know that something is amiss. And I need to make a course correction. We should all be able to laugh at ourselves and at the various ways that we stumble through this life. What happens when we don't enjoy life what happens when we don't seek joy well for one we show God that we aren't grateful if we are not finding joy in the in the blessings both big and small in this life we are communicating to God that we don't appreciate those blessings very much we are we are telling God I am not thankful for what you have provided so abundantly in my life but here's something else that's even well equally dangerous When we don't enjoy life, we crack the door open for Satan. Because if we're not enjoying God's good gifts, then Satan will present before us distortions of those good gifts for us to enjoy that will not bring us life but harm and destruction. In the garden, God set Adam and Eve free to enjoy the abundance of of the fruit that was growing from all the trees except for one. And yet it was Satan who said, that's the one you want to take from. If we lock ourselves into such a rigid, regimented existence and we don't allow time for laughter and fun and the enjoyment of gifts from God, then we are inviting Satan to come in and say, hey, don't you want to break free from your duty, from your responsibility? Don't you want to have a little fun on the side? This will make you smile. This will make you laugh. This will make you happy. When we are not enjoying God's good gifts, we are practically telling Satan, I'm fair game. Please come and try to tempt me and get me to do things that will not lead to life, but to death. We need to realize that as God's people under the new covenant of Christ, our joy is amplified above anyone else in human history. Because we are the beneficiaries of the many blessings that flow through Jesus Christ. We have our sins forgiven. We have been blessed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have been given the assurance of eternal life and thousands more beside. We of all people, should be the most joyful on the face of this earth. And we invite you tonight, if you have not entered into a relationship with God, we invite you to enter it and so that you will have much to enjoy. Think about what Solomon said earlier. We read this verse from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 25. Apart from him, apart from God, who can have enjoyment? The answer, no one. But with God, there is an abundance of joy. So please, don't live apart from Him any longer. If you need to come and dedicate your life to Christ by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, we invite you to do that. Or if you, if you need the prayers of the church, if you need to make a course correction, if you need to, to recommit your life to be more devoted Christ than you have been in the past, this is also a time for you to come. Why don't you do that while we stand and sing together?